53 degrees outside, 7 p.m. KMUD Garberville, KMUE Eureka, KLAI Laytonville, where the views and opinions expressed throughout the broadcast day are those of the speaker and not necessarily the station, staff, underwriters, or volunteers. Sometimes it's not even the speaker's point of view. They're possibly trolling you, but more likely they're just trying to express somebody else's point of view so that you can more completely understand the issues at hand. So don't get mad. Just give your information out too.
And I believe I have the herb doctor here. Hey, good evening. Hello. Good evening. And we have Dr. Pete. I'm sorry that took so long. Take it away. No problem. No problem. Uh, welcome to this month's Ask Your Herb Doctor, the, uh, see here, November 19th edition, 2021. My name's Andrew Murray. My name's Sarah Johannesson Murray. Welcome to our show, Ask Your Herb Doctor. Uh, for those of you who have uh, just joined us or have never heard the show before, it runs every third Friday of the month from 7 to 8 p.m. Uh, we have a call-in, a live call-in, from 7.30 until the close of the show at 8 o'clock. Uh, people are invited to call in with any questions uh, related to the topic that we're discussing. As uh, has become very customary now, Dr. Pete uh, is our guest and uh, joining us to share his knowledge. Uh, last month in October, uh, we opened up a uh, discussion which we couldn't finish in a month and it was concerning metabolic defects in cancer um, and also the approach to cancer, the strategies um, for alternative approaches to cancer. Uh, and Dr. Pete has for 35, 40 years been researching and working in alternative medicine uh, approaches to physiology and uh, has a website with a wealth of information that we'll be giving out towards the end of the show. Uh, so let me just uh, see if Dr. Pete is with us and go from there. Dr. Pete, you with us? Uh, yes. I, I can just barely hear you. Okay. I wonder if you have a, uh, a volume. Uh, do you have a volume setting on your phone? Maybe it's that... a, a tinny quality. It isn't the volume. It's a, a blurry tinny quality. Yeah, you guys sound like you're on a speakerphone or something maybe you're you're not the best connection i think it's okay if callers don't think so they'll pipe up though let me uh let me just ask both of you if this is any clearer now did you either of you hear that better i i heard a click and i think it got better but i was also switching from one thing to another here but i think that is a little better. yeah dr p do you hear that any better uh, i i can hear you but not the engineer Oh yeah. I think well, that aspect that's an aspect of our board, I think. But he doesn't need to hear me. You okay. guys are the important ones. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um at this point I'm not too sure Sarah can hear us, that's the only thing. Well, uh I think we probably just better carry on this way then and just um, um sometime during uh Doctor Pete's uh explanation of some of the questioning uh, we'll be going through to tonight. We perhaps uh, can get Sarah on, uh, and she can be part of that otherwise. Okay, so uh, Dr. P, um, thanks so much for giving your time again this month. Uh, would you just let people know uh, more about you from an academic uh, research perspective, and then we can carry on the show? Uh, okay. Um, in the 60s, I was studying various subjects in the humanities, and I decided to uh, go into biology uh, uh, to study the brain uh, mainly, but uh, when I got to graduate school in 1968, uh, uh, my interest went to uh, aging and its influence on the metabolism of uh, largely the reproductive uh, process, how uh, reproduction uh, influences the, the general process of aging. 
and since then I've been following up the same general topics, aging, stress, sickness, and especially how the hormones, reproductive hormones, can accelerate or, or retard the process of aging. Okay, so um, in terms of uh, a hormonal physiology for aging, that's been a specialism, uh, and I know you've worked in many other related branches of that surrounding natural healthcare. Um, last month, uh, we opened up a kind of discussion on the alternative approaches um, to cancer with uh, an emphasis on the metabolic defects, which uh, you have uh, fairly set um, principles that you have uncovered over time, uh, some of which obviously don't line up with kind of regular medicine. I know you have a very alternative perspective uh, towards treating people, and I think I'm right in saying that the first do-no-harm rationale would be something you hold quite um, closely. Uh, modern cancer therapy and chemotherapy and radiotherapy, I don't think these are modalities of which you are at all in favor of, um, but that's a very personal uh, choice that each patient who's going through cancer therapy has to come up against, but obviously um, going through herbal medicine and alternative medicines, most people uh, perhaps looking for alternatives are not looking at conventional treatment anyway. Um, last month, we uh, covered um, cellular mitochondria uh, activity and how that um, produces energy uh, we discussed the myth um, of sugar being cancer-promoting, uh, which is fairly rife in the mainstream. It seems to be repeated almost daily that sugar is something to be avoided for almost everything, um, and you've dispelled that myth for sure. Um, then the kind of neuroendocrine uh, dysregulation uh, you mentioned um, things like estrogen driving not only breast but other cancers. And then the uh, what they call the kind of um, hypothalamic pituitary access, axis uh, where stress um, produces cortisol and, um, you know, through chronic stress the immune system can suffer and how this is all part and parcel of a kind of weakened organism that does, I think, in some ways predispose to the lack of surveillance. So the last thing I think we got to was looking at radox balancing and um, mentioning that the flavonoids are a fairly diverse group of plant products uh, in many, many different areas uh, can be used to quench uh, free radical uh, damage. Uh, which is part and parcel also of um, cancer in its own right. Uh, I had some abstracts uh, that got my interest. I know you're a, a big uh, proponent of saturated fats and you do not at all adhere to polyunsaturates as being in any way healthy or beneficial for the organism and actually very much destruction and inflammation is caused by them. Um, so the abstracts I was looking at were things like lipid peroxidation, which we have talked about on many different shows at many different times, um, and this peroxidation and byproducts of lipid uh, metabolism or lipid oxidation is what happens. 
these have been things that have been shown to promote cancer. Um, so the whole rationale of people using uh, these omega-3s and 6s and fish oils uh, as being quote-unquote healthy is absolutely not what you want to be using uh, if you've got a cancer diagnosis or even if you don't have a cancer diagnosis. Um, how about that? Uh, yeah, a couple of the abstracts you're referring to, I think, mentioned that on a high fish oil diet, uh, the metastasis uh, was about a thousand times worse than on a low-fat diet or even a fat-deficient diet. Uh, just a huge difference from uh, supplementing fish oil versus uh, not having fat. Uh, and we can make uh, all of the uh, uh, unsaturated and uh, uh, saturated fats that we need from carbohydrates. So uh, we don't really need any fats in the diet except for the pleasant taste and helping to absorb other nutrients. Uh, but uh, the, the, these abstracts in particular show the tremendous pro-metastatic effect of the fish oil fats. I saw the other um, references, particularly for um, liver uh, metastases and cancer growth in, in the liver. Obviously, um, the liver is one of the major organs blood flows through, and so yeah, vascular-borne uh, cancers that travel to different sites through the vasculature uh, can certainly become picked up in the liver, and the liver itself, because it's a kind of sinusoidal organ, um, like a sponge, if you like, a matrix of uh, very many uh, capillaries and um, openings and ducts and, and places where, you know, cancers can settle and grow are quite often seen in, uh, in cancer as a secondary spread to the liver. And that, uh, the other articles here that I saw said that these omega-3s, um, in particular, I think the sixes were probably also implicated, but the omega-3s promoted long cancer metastasis um, to the liver. Um, and again, there was a, a direct causal relationship between these omega-3s and liver metastases. Uh, uh, Dr. P? Uh, yes? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, yes. So... This lipid peroxidation or rancid fat that, or we, when we eat fat, it can go rancid if it's not saturated, and that's known as lipid peroxidation. That applies to not only the fish oils, but also like all the vegetable seed oils, right? Like the canola and the soy and all the vegetable oils. The more, more highly unsaturated they are, the, the quicker they break down uh, and uh, some of the oxidative breakdown is almost immediately, uh, just as soon as it gets absorbed from your intestine and shows up in your bloodstream, uh, you, you can find the uh, highly oxidized uh, breakdown fragments of the polyunsaturated uh, fats like fish oil. Wow. And do you, did, you, did I hear you correctly in stating that metastasis is a thousand times worse in a fatty uh, yeah, a, a diet versus a non-fat diet? A couple of these studies found that 
the, the number and quantity of uh, identifiable metastatic cancer uh, was, uh, uh, in these cases, a thousand times higher. And uh, this would, uh, again, lead, um, yeah, people that have, have talked about ketogenic diets, this is absolutely the last thing you want to be doing, right? Uh, uh, yeah, and in the process of getting the ketogenic effect, basically it's starvation and stress that turns on the so-called ketone production. Uh, but uh, actually, the so-called ketone bodies, uh, one of the major uh, ketone bodies is actually not a ketone, but uh, an alcohol uh, hydroxyl group uh, as a potential ketone. But in the hydroxyl uh, state, uh, which is formed during the ketogenic diet, uh, this becomes a reductant. Uh, having effects similar to lactic acid, uh, which is a, a trigger to shift uh, oxidation uh, uh, towards uh, uh, the, the uh, fermentation or the lactic acid metabolism typical of cancer. And uh, once anything interferes with your ability to oxidize glucose fully, uh, that uh, liberates any uh, stored fatty acids you have in your tissues, and uh, everyone has an abundance of fat uh, mixed right into their uh, uh, functioning tissues. Uh, and in the ketogenic state, uh, you are releasing free fatty acids into the bloodstream, and all of the have liberated free fatty acids that have been studied promote metastasis. It isn't just the extremely toxic fish oil type, but just the the fact of being a fatty acid rather than a sugar. There's many years ago, someone named Randall noticed that when you're if you increase the fat in your diet uh, and it turns into free fatty acids, the free fatty acids block the particular enzyme of pyruvate dehydrogenase, uh, which lets us oxidize glucose uh, all the way uh, to carbon dioxide. Uh, and the free fatty acids directly activate the enzyme that knocks out our ability to oxidize glucose. Uh, and so once you get ketogenic uh, uh, from some degree of starvation, uh, then you're poisoning your ability to fully oxidize glucose. That leaves it producing lactic acid. Uh, and uh, when the pyruvate dehydrogenase is poisoned by uh, various things, but especially free fatty acids, uh, then you shift over to the cancer metabolism producing uh, lactic acid, uh, which shifts the metabolism of other cells in the same direction. 
so would that apply to um, saturated fat, but at a lesser extent? Uh, yeah. Uh, in some cases, certain saturated fats don't do that at all. But on average, uh, whenever it's been studied, the Randall effect uh, works as soon as our glucose oxidation is interfered with by rising free fatty acids. Right. So this isn't um, this isn't really alternative medicine because this is scientifically backed and researched information that Dr. Pete's sharing with us tonight that might not be applied in orthodox medical treatment of cancer, but this is in no way on the fringe of uh, science. This is this is scientific information. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it actually uh, represents sixty more more than sixty years of investigating what is actually happening in the metabolism of stress and cancer. And the whole thing that has developed in the last 50 years of uh, saying that cancer eats sugar, cancer lives on sugar, uh, therefore if you uh, stop eating sugar, you'll starve the cancer. That's absolutely 100% uh, wrong. Uh, what uh, uh, sugar starvation does is cause the uh, uh, Randall uh, cycle uh, to take effect uh, blocking your ability to uh, uh, oxidize sugar uh, fully, so you oxidize, you uh, 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 ferment it, uh, producing uh, lactic acid, which uh, promotes more of the cancer metabolism uh, and uh, creates in inflammation and brings up the cortisol stress hormones that break down proteins to make more uh, of the uh, uh, glucose or uh, uh, amino acids uh, which will feed feed the cancer. Uh, the fatty acids themselves uh, are good food for the cancer, but uh, at a certain point of uh, wasting away from cancer, uh, fatty acids uh, aren't, aren't very abundant in the body, and so the... the uh, lactic acid metabolism is maintained by turning body proteins into uh, glucose and amino acids uh, to support the uh, lactic acid metabolism of cancer. So, in general, when you um, consult with people that might have cancer, would you recommend them to eat then a non-fat or very low-fat diet and a very high uh, sucrose and fructose diet? Uh, yeah, carbohydrates in general, especially sucrose. Which is sugar, folks, and honey and sugar are chemically identical. Uh, yeah, I think it was last month I mentioned the uh, 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 grape diet. It was famous in the 40s and 50s. Uh, it was a, a very high glucose and sucrose diet combined with a very high intake of the anti-inflammatory uh, uh, flavonoids. Uh, but uh, th those are two of the uh, very important uh, anti-cancer agents. The anti-inflammatory uh, uh, 
component of the diet that you get in fruits and vegetables, uh, and then the abundance uh, of uh, the, the minerals and other nutrients of fruit, uh, but an abundance of sucrose, uh, so that you don't recur, don't don't resort to uh, any uh, tendency to liberate fatty acids. Okay, you're listening to Ask Your Doctor, KMUD 91.1 FM from 7.30 to the end of the show. Callers are welcome to call in with questions related to uh, this month's continuing topic of cancer and cancer alternatives. Uh, again, the number if you're outside or even in the area, 707-923-3911. Our guest speaker, Dr. Raymond Pete. Um, Dr. Pete, I wanted to, um, I wanted to question you a little about something that um, from a herbal medicine perspective, uh, is very important for, yeah, basically as an anti-cancer strategy, uh, as well as recognizing the the actual function and value of the lymphatics. Um, in I know in breast cancer, um, lymph lymph nodes obviously become uh, congested. They pick up. Um, cancer cells, they are treating them, they are primarily white cell surveillance sites uh, with other cells that are killer cells, etc. They're doing some kind of routine surveillance of all of the fluids that are constantly passing through them. Um, but I wanted to get to the point of uh, a few years ago, now it hasn't been discovered long, I think I read it in a science magazine maybe two or three years ago, um, a new organ uh, that science had finally uh, uncovered uh, and it was because of a laser-type treatment uh, of endoscopy that um, previously when they had fixed um, tissue uh, to look at microscopy, uh, microscopically, um, they saw that these collagen uh, sheaths and bundles looked fairly flattened and fairly solid in these tissues, but yet when they used these lasers, uh, they saw that these were structural cavities that were filled with fluid and they called this uh, this material, this ground substance, uh, the interstitium um, and they now uh, say that this interstitium is a fifth organ uh, and primarily I think one of the, the, the largest organ uh, in the body um, but it's responsible obviously for the metastases uh, of cancer cells uh, and in herbal medicine, like I said, the uh, uh, the principal herb that I think of uh, is poke root. Uh, it's been traditionally used uh, for breast cancer uh, as well as other cancers. Uh, certainly has lymphatic uh, and immunostimulant uh, anti-inflammatory activity. And like I said, it's definitely been used. Uh, it's certainly in Europe ongoing uh, and it's been in the herbal pharmacopoeia for many years. Um, in the treatment of cancers and specifically for lymphatic cancers and breast cancers. But um, what, do you, what do you understand about the interstitium and this so-called ground substance through which um, I think some of these uh, compounds, I think one um, namely uh, the main compound uh, from uh, phytolacca, is having its activity with, but obviously other agents get into the lymphatics as there's obviously a, a, a pathway for many different substances. But, uh, and some uh, structures have been uh, identified within this 
previously thought to be amorphous extravascular system. A, a Korean named Bangan Kim, I think it was in the 1960s, uh, called it the third circulatory system. Uh, and uh, what are now uh, known as the exosomes, uh, a large uh, number of uh, these small vesicles secreted by cells uh, are, are transported uh, outside the blood vessels, some of them in, inside the ordinary uh, blood stream, but uh, many of them flow through apparent channels uh, in the extracellular uh, material uh, that seem to be uh, almost specific for carrying uh, the uh, lipid, the uh, uh, microvesicles or exosomes uh, from a cell under stress uh, to to a cell uh, which is, uh, for example, in the bone marrow that can uh, produce repair factors uh, and uh, send it back through the, uh, uh, the various circulatory systems, lymphatic or the extra-lymphatic uh, one identified by the Korean uh, or via the bloodstream itself uh, to either correct a tumor or, in some cases, make it worse, uh, depending on the state of the organism. And we have a couple callers. Okay, we're good. Let's, um, let's hold, that, hold that there. We kind of just got into the subject of connective tissue health, which I was uh, going to take the uh, direction of this next subject. But let's take this first caller. Uh, caller, you're on the air. Where are you from and what's your question? Uh, it was a, a local person who's was a very bad connection, but I was able to, they, very simple, they wanted to know uh, what you thought of flax oil and what you thought of avocados. Uh, avocados are good enough, very pleasant, nutritious food, but you don't want to eat very large quantities as a regular quantity just because there is uh, some unsaturated, polyunsaturated fat in it. Uh, and uh, the, the, the uh, flax oil is also uh, very highly uh, polyunsaturated. Uh, so it, the, the flax meal uh, uh, has a laxative effect, uh, a bulk laxative action. So the flax meal can be a protective anti-cancer, but you don't want to uh, uh, build up a, a reserve of the polyunsaturated fats uh, found in flax oil. And here's your next caller. Okay, Hello, Dr. Where are you from? and uh, his friend. Uh, I just wanted to say I have two miraculous stories. I'll start with my, my own uh, quickly. Uh, I uh, developed a, a chest cancer. And uh, I knew it was cancer because it's a, a cancer of that type. Uh, it, it really feels like a little needle inside of your chest. And I knew exactly what to do. I don't, can't tell you why I knew what to do, but I had had ordered from an essential oil company uh, a product called Frankincense, and I opened up the clear glass bottle, and I liberal, liberally put it on my chest, and in four hours later, the pain stopped. 
and I, I know how I had killed the cancer. I just absolutely bathed it in the frankincense. Uh, it didn't return ever. It's been 10 years now. That was my story, uh, and no one knew about it except me, and I was quite proud of that. Uh, the other was my sister went down to San Francisco to UCSF, and she was, uh, the, the doctors said, you have a cancer, and she was very upset about that, of course, as we would all be, as I was as well. And uh, so I said, look, I, I had used frankincense prior to this time to kill, kill a cancer, uh, start that program. So I went down and I got her some uh, three or four ounces of frankincense. Now, this was older frankincense. It was about uh, maybe six months to a year old. I call it out of date. And uh, I gave that to her, and she started doing that. And now we're just basic people, you know. She has a college uh, degree. I have uh, two years of college. And uh, so I'm, I'm talking hopefully on just a level... I'm not a doctor myself. I don't claim to be a physician. I'm just telling you what I have done to be successful. And uh, so I started her on that program of applying it into the area, and I've also used it internally before. And as long as you don't use too much and we're all different, I was also taking it internally for a while, mixing it with, with like a, some sort of water or juice. And that seems to have cleansed out my system as well. Uh, she started on the program of using the frankincense topically, and she said I had a cyst on the front of, of uh, a front of my body, and started using it. And she said about three months later that little cyst fell out onto her finger, and she was quite astonished about that. But the other thing that she didn't tell me about that was she was using was something called zeolite. Mm -hmm. and uh, Z-E-O-L-I-T-E, I believe, and uh, she said that it was taking the heavy metals out of the body and excreting them out. Uh, she has been a person that's eaten organically her whole life. She is intolerant, cannot take uh, calcium through dairy products, and she has her own way. She's a vegetarian. She has her own gardens, and she's lived this way her whole life. What do you think of those two things? Right. Okay, well, I'm glad you mentioned frankincense. So, and her name is Boswellia sacra. Uh, and I was going to mention it's one of many herbs uh, that have been used uh, for cancer, specifically, I think, for skin cancers. Um, so, Boswellia is one of those um, that we were going to mention. Uh, and then the zeolite sounds like a uh, chelating agent. Um, Dr. Pete, do you know much about zeolite and its use? I, I didn't hear all of that, but uh, frankincense and myrrh uh, contain a, a variety of, of uh, triterpenes that uh, are structured similarly uh, to the steroids, uh, and uh, they haven't actually been uh, studied enough to uh, define exactly how their anti-cancer effect works. Okay, you're listening to Ask Your Herb, Dr. Kamey D. Garville, 91.1 FM. From now until the end of the show at 8 o'clock, you're invited to call in the questions that are related to cancer. Uh, the number is 707-923-3911. And we're still okay. in our little uh, fundraising thing. Could you maybe 
put out a plea to your listeners? Because I know there's people who tune in from literally all over the world for this show. It's kind of a, a unique radio station that we have this platform for Dr. Pete here and for you guys. And it's pledge drive time. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, for those people that are listening to the show, I uh, just want you to recognize that we still have a free speech uh, radio program. I think that's the most important thing uh, that people need to remember. Uh, I've said this before, that free speech is very important. It's one of our main principal constitutional rights uh, to hear both sides of the uh, discussion. I think when things become one-sided, that's when we become seriously uh, in trouble. And so this radio station has many different people speaking on many different platforms, and um, what I really appreciate is that they give time for both sides they give time to all sides. They're not exclusive. So as one of those few places, I think, that are still left, that have a, a pretty balanced uh, viewpoint from people from different camps. And so it's got to be something that you guys value here, especially people living locally. I think um, up in the hills, etc. some of these people, they listen to this show a lot. It's one of their main sources of information. They get news articles from around the world. It's not just local politics, but uh, national and international. Uh, and so if you want to keep the radio station going, folks, I strongly encourage you to send money in and donations, uh, however much you can afford. Uh, it does need to be funded. It does get some funding externally, but it definitely has a shortfall uh, in its budget annually. Uh, but every year, people donate. Uh, and they step up to the plate, and um, thank goodness uh, KMUD is still on the airwaves. I appreciate it very much to give us a platform here to give people alternatives. Uh, and for those people that are listening now, please, if you haven't already joined as a member, uh, please consider calling in, uh, giving a donation, either a one-time or a revolving donation. Uh, it all goes to help keep this local radio station going and out of the hands of... Uh, sole proprietors with single genders so uh, uh please go ahead and uh, make that call yeah i'm not even so sure that we're trying to have every side of every idea you know put out across the air it's more that as a community we have so many different community members who do have a little time on air that all together in the aggregate we get an awful lot of opinions and if you don't hear an opinion on here that you want to hear on here then that's when you call in and thank jobs friday or some other show when it's appropriate and express your opinion or all sides now okay so once again uh, the number is 707-923-3911 so dr pete just getting back to um the herbal medicine perspective of improving the connective tissue uh, and strengthening the connective tissue uh, and the interstitium being a pathway, a uh, highway through which uh, fluids move and can uh, either be picked up in the lymphatic if they are things like bacterial or yeast or fungal spores, etc., and trapped and dealt with and neutralized. The cancer is also able to use this uh, same highway uh, to be taken to distant sites. Um, but there is definitely is a rationale for improving the connective tissue itself uh, as cancer, tish, cancer cells and cancers uh, locally break down adjacent tissues and invade them uh, in their quest for access to the vasculature or the lymphatics. Um, what do you think about um, 
agents uh, that we're familiar with, things like horsetail, uh, a rich source of silica, um, or whether it's um, phytolacca and the uh, main components of phytolacca that have this uh, lymphatic uh, immune-stimulating activity. Uh, do you think there's a, a value in, what do you see uh, as a value in improving and toning the tissues? I know you, you mentioned a lot about calcium, and calcium obviously is part and parcel of improving uh, the extracellular matrix um, and its homeostasis between being stored in the bone and being available in the bloodstream is something you see people get plenty of calcium for. And the role of, of calcium is very closely related to energy metabolism and inflammation. When you're deficient in energy, you activate many of the pro-inflammatory peptides and, and small lipid molecules. That, In an ideal situation, that momentary increase of inflammation can reactivate the design repair processes, especially for the connective tissue. But getting the energy and essential nutrients provided is going to have an anti-inflammatory effect, which allows the energy production to take effect and maintain uh, structural integrity. And uh, the effect of adequate calcium in your diet is to oppose the excitatory uh, effects of too much phosphate in your diet. Uh, so the calcium is having an anti-inflammatory pro-energy uh, restoration effect, uh, and that uh, has the uh, effect of maintaining structural in integrity of, of the uh, interstitium, uh, the, the whole uh, structural framework that holds, holds cells together. We've got so a calcium caller. Is not only anti-cancer, but you're, you're mentioning the um, benefits it has on maintaining healthy connective tissue as well. Uh, yeah, keeping inflammation down and energy up. Okay, so did, uh, Michael, did you say that there was another caller? Uh, yes, there is a caller. Yeah, go ahead. Let's take this uh, next caller. Caller, where are you from? What's your question? Hi, I'm from Garberville, and I had a low-grade bladder cancer, and it it came back again, and they just take it out, but I was wondering if you had any recommendations and I think I'll take my answer on the air. Okay. So, Dr. P., um, low-grade bladder cancer, uh, what would you suggest as being good uh, good approaches about, obviously, everything that we had private previously talked about, but go ahead and speak to that. Uh, uh, there have been uh, several people developed uh, effective uh, treatments by infusing uh, um, a mixture of uh, nutrients, vitamin A-related things, uh, proteolytic uh, enzymes, uh, and stabilizing anti-inflammatory uh, things, such as I think lidocaine was one of them, into the bladder, uh, and then 
uh, arranging the person's posture so that the, uh, the, the mixture uh, is in contact with the actual uh, tumor itself so you can get a very, uh, very high concentration uh, on the tumor. Uh, and uh, several of those uh, procedures have been very effective at uh, removing uh, persistent bladder tumors. Okay, so let me just repeat that to make sure that we heard you correctly. So you said um, there's been research done to show that an infusion of proteolytic enzymes, vitamin A compounds, and lidocaine, lidocaine infused with the person laying down in such a way that the, um, you know, whether it was on the back of the bladder wall or the front of the bladder wall, laying on their back or their front, is that what you mean? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure if that was a complete list of the ingredients, but uh, two or three groups uh, were using very similar groups uh, with a very high cure rate. And what are you? What is infusion in this context? Uh, uh, for treating uh, tumors on the wall of the bladder. But are you putting that up through the urethra, or are you drinking oh, yeah, that? Yeah, filling the bladder with a mixture, half oh. filling it. Uh huh. All right, and you also said anti-inflammatory things, so maybe, like... Aspirin, maybe. Would they have infused aspirin into the bladder? I, I didn't hear that. Would, would they have used something like aspirin as well as an anti-inflammatory? Well, I, I always recommend aspirin for uh, any cancer. It it's, uh, reduces the inflammation, helps to restore the energy level, uh, and... Uh, has a, 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 at least a dozen uh, effects that help to uh, control or eliminate cancer. Okay, good. Okay, you're listening to Ask Your Herb Dr. K. Moody Garbavool, 91.1 FM. Uh, from now until the close of the show, 8 o'clock, you're invited to call in the questions. The number is 707-923-3911. Dr. Raymond Pete with us. Uh, in the studio. And uh, sorry, I just want to say I always like to um, put the warning out there that if people are choosing to use aspirin um, for treating their own cancers and they're doing a home treatment like that, you should really call us and we'll give you the instructions on how to take aspirin safely um, in conjunction with vitamin K2. It's very important if you're taking more than a baby aspirin a day that you take vitamin K2 prevent blood uh, bleeding. And also, you don't really have till 8 o'clock. You should call right away because we got to give them time to finish up. And if you do call in right away, well, you got to keep it brief. Okay. No, what I mean, sorry, is let's, um, if anyone wants to use aspirin, any more than a baby aspirin a day, then email us or call us at our number, which is uh, Western Botanical Medicine, 707-986-9506. And our email is either Andrew or Sarah at westernbotanicalmedicine.com. And Sarah is with an H, S-A-R-A-H, at westernbotanicalmedicine.com. Okay, so Dr. Dr. P, um, how, how about, I mean, again, aspirin, I think, just as we mentioned it, um, talking about uh, the coagulopathy that happens uh, with cancer, uh, and even even if it's not stimulated by estrogen, which promotes blood thickening uh, and clotting and is pro-cancer in its own right, um, the 
approach to treatment as anticoagulopathy uh, treatment uh, in terms of uh, making the, the platelets less sticky, uh, making blood flow more easily. Um, do, you, do you think this would, be, uh, would have a good rational basis in science for using okay. things like aspirin and garlic and um, things like ginkgo and other things that have got um, traditional use for improving blood flow and preventing clotting? And the clotting system and, and the platelets are, are very central to the uh, ability of, of the uh, metastatic cells uh, to uh, uh, get across the blood vessel into the area it's going to colonize uh, as metastatic cancer. Uh, and uh, various things that uh, decrease uh, the stickiness and the tendency to coagulate uh, of the platelets, uh, several of these uh, substances have been studied and uh, very strongly uh, uh, discourage metastatic spread and so increase uh, the survival uh, rate. Uh, lidocaine, aspirin, and progesterone are just three of the factors that have been over and over uh, demonstrated to uh, interfere with the metastatic uh, stickiness and the ability to travel of the cancer cells. It makes them stay home and uh, not hurt anything. Stay home, cancer. Stay home. How about, how about my next question? Uh, kind of anti-angiogenic uh, activity to uh, manage cancer a little bit like um, diabetes because diabetes has been implicated in the breakdown of uh, vascular walls. Uh, yes, and there were studies in the 40s and 50s showing that uh, the longer uh, uh, people left their cancer untreated, the longer they lived. Uh, and, and several studies have, have lo looked at the uh, statistics uh, on the population in, in general, showing that uh, the, the more you treat uh, uh, in some cancers, uh, the, the survival rate stays the same, the same no matter how much you uh, uh, do to the patient. But in some cases, uh, the, the more you treat, the higher the death rate is. That uh, that uh, was first seen distinctly in the case of prostate cancer in the early 90s. Uh, and uh, by, by the end of the century, uh, this had impressed enough prostate specialists that they came up with the idea of, of uh, watchful waiting, uh, figuring that if you don't, uh, use any of the harmful treatments such as high-dose estrogen uh, to treat prostate cancer uh, and just uh, watch what's happening. Don't do uh, multiple biopsies and so on. But uh, the normal aging process happens faster than the development uh, of a normal old man's uh, prostate cancer. Uh, and uh, that's a well-established concept now that uh, watchful waiting has actually improved uh, the mortality rate from uh, from cancer uh, failing to treat it. Well, what's that statistic you quote, Dr. Pete? 
that 99% or 99.9% .9 of people over the age of 50 have some form of abdominal cancer. 99.9% uh, uh, .9 of people will yeah, not it, die in, of cancer. In, in an autopsy, you can find uh, cancer essentially in 100% of the people uh, over 50 if you look for it. It's part of a natural uh, healing process, and uh, most people uh, uh, just uh, uh, co coexist with uh, many of these little cancers that aren't really hurting anything. Yeah. I think I think on a very quick side note, just for people's uh, um, for people to help people if they uh, want to try this themselves, <laughs> and it's an advocate self treatment uh, generally, but. Um, on a very small side note, I had a um, a keratosis, or what I thought was a keratosis, on the side of my nose, uh, and I've spoken to you about this, Dr. Pete, um, three or four years ago. I had it for two years. It obviously wasn't healthy cells. It was uh, unhealthy not, cells. In, in your latest photograph, your nose looks fine. No. no. <laughs> defect at all. <laughs> I just wanted to tell people that uh, I had it, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, I did have a biopsy done and it identified it as basal cell carcinoma and of course they wanted to do this that, and everything with it, which I refused. Um, I went ahead and did what you suggested I do. Uh, I don't have it anymore. I mean, folks, it's yeah, possible. Your, your nose looks very perfect. Huh? <laughs> uh, uh, anyway. Before we uh, end, I, I want to mention uh, a, a book that I think might be the most important book published in the last two or three years uh, uh, just came out. It's Robert Kennedy Jr.'s oh, yeah. uh, uh, the, the Real Anthony Fauci. Uh, it gives <laughs> a background for the uh, not only the COVID uh, uh, process, but uh, the, the background going back decades. Yeah. Well, he's been there, hasn't he, for 40 years or something? He's pretty entrenched. Dr. Fauci is pretty entrenched. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, but, but this book, I think, is going to change that. Yeah, they, they said that he possibly he's, he's uh, perjured himself. But anyway, uh, thanks so much for your time, Dr. P. It's 5 to the hour, and I know the engineer wants to wrap it up for 8 o'clock, and we need to give people your information. So thanks so much for joining us. Okay, thank you. And thank you, Dr. Pete. Good night. Night. Uh, for those people who've listened to the show before or who've just tuned in, Dr. Raymond Pete's got a wealth of experience. He's been doing this over 40 years. He's written several books. He's published hundreds of, hundreds of articles. Uh, he's a very altruistic character, as most people who know him uh, can attest. Uh, his website is raypeat.com, R-A-Y-P-E-A-T.com. Um, and so his uh, journal articles there are well referenced. He's a very scientific person. He doesn't he doesn't believe in hocus pocus and crystal dangling and whatever else. I'm sorry to offend some people who maybe use crystals. I'm not saying they don't work or do anything, but it's generally a uh, a do less than do something proactive situation. Um, so uh, we can be uh, contacted uh, Monday through Friday. Uh, Works in botanicalmedicine.com. Uh, the 707-986-9506. Um, and so until the December uh, version, uh, we will uh, look forward to seeing you, hearing from you, uh, answering questions, uh, give us feedback, uh, and thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving.
And thanks for tuning in. My name is Sarah Murray. My name is Andrew Murray. Good night.